Greetings, folks. Welcome to this week's Red Voices. Ewan and Rich on duty this week to discuss the up of ripping Fulham apart and the positive down of getting ripped apart by PSG. Uh, it's United's first defeat under Solskjaer, and with big games against Chelsea and Liverpool to come, how will this United side respond? Well, I guess we'll see, won't we? Rich, how you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Um, sweating on the on the fitness of Jesse Lingard and Anthony Martial, mainly. Yeah, it was interesting with those two, wasn't it? You you kind of hope that the most is three weeks, but with Lingard pulling up in the first half, you your mind does start to worry and race, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's just a case of whether they felt that something was tight and couldn't risk it, or whether they'd actually pulled something. And if it's just tight, then you look probably looking at a couple of weeks. But if it's an actual pull or tear of the muscle, then it could be more. And I think as we saw against PSG, we're we're incredibly reliant on those two and Marcus Rashford really to function in the way that um, Ollie, Ollie Gunnar wants us to. True. I mean, I guess, you know, the only place to start this week is that game last night against PSG, isn't it? You know, it was completely reasonably billed as United's biggest game in Europe for some time. You know, we've had a quarterfinal tie with Bayern Munich since we played Real Madrid in 2012-2013 in Sir Alex Ferguson's last season. But that was different. You know, we didn't expect to beat Bayern Munich. And uh, last time I checked, we definitely didn't. This felt different in the sense that we were coming into the tie off the back of a lot of really encouraging results, performances. Everything had turned around in the subsequent two months since the draw had been made back in early December. And we felt like we had a realistic chance of getting through this tie. You know, obviously with Cavani and Neymar both out, Cavani as a result of getting injured against Bordeaux at the weekend. There seemed like there would be a chance for United if we could function in the same way and with the same press that we'd been doing the last couple of weeks. And, you know, we'll get on to the various minutiae of the game, but I think first and foremost, we've just got to admit we got done. And not only that, as you pointed out on Twitter, PSG served us up a tactical masterclass, really, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, it, it really was it really was a tight game until until those two injuries before half-time. And we were, the first kind of 20, 25 minutes, we really did unsettle them. Whilst we didn't really create any really clear chances, we, we, we had quite a a number of opportunities where we won the ball in and around the area and had quite dangerous situations. And so, although the first half was very tight, towards the end of the half, there was always a feeling that PSG were just starting to get into it. And I think those two injuries just completely killed us. And from there on, you know, United were going to lose a game, ultimately. We were going to lose a game. And, and I'd rather we lost against PSG than Fulham, for example. And that might sound a bit perverse, but... <laughs> If we're if we're doing what we what we're doing, we should be beating Fulham, and we did beat Fulham. We should be beating the, you know the teams we've been beating. But PSG was a whole other level, even without Neymar. And once two of the front three went off, we simply couldn't press as we had any more, and it affected the balance of the entire team because you bring on Sanchez and Mata, they've got no pace, they can't press, they can't counter as we as we'd been trying to. The whole balance of the team changed. We PSG moved their entire backline further up the pitch. And so we just ended up soaking up more and more and more pressure. And ultimately, you just got to look and say that Thomas Tuchel's a terrific manager. He pawned us in that second half, and they've just got better players than us at the moment. You just, I think, sometimes you just got to hold your hands up and say they're better. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think partially because of the injuries and partially because of the form that we were coming into, I was really worried about getting lulled into a false sense of security and just thinking that because we're on this upward curve under Solskjaer, that we were suddenly going to be able to compete in Europe and. You know, from a purely selfish perspective, I was really hoping that was what we were going to see yesterday because the Champions League is my favourite tournament, bar none. You know, it's the competition that I want to see United perform their best at every time we're in it. I want to see us win that competition more than anything else, more than league, more than the FA Cup, you know, even more than Wales winning the flipping World Cup. That's what I want to see United doing. 
And, you know, there there was that disappointment. And I think, you know, I was hanging out with Kev, the grandfather of this podcast, last night in Birmingham to watch the game. And he brought up a very astute point. It reminded me quite a bit of those sort of mid-90s and also mid-noughties ties where United had a team that was somewhat in transition, had some really good facets, but had some drawbacks, trying really hard to get that result, but getting undone with quality and a bit of nous and a bit of more experience. And it's not like this team is completely bereft of experience at the top level, but as a collective, as a team, we don't necessarily have that experience of being in these big Champions League games and knowing how to control them yet. And I think, you know, ultimately that and a couple of other things cost us. You know, for instance, the referee last night was magnificently card happy and you know we'll get on to Kim Beppe a little bit later on but he was very lucky to stay on the pitch whereas Pogba was certainly unlucky to get that first booking as was Julian Draxler in the first half as well you know Pogba less so unlucky with the second yellow which was certainly drawn out he didn't really cover himself in glory there but I think that sort of set the tone because United's whole point in that first half in particular and as the game wore on was the high press wasn't it and I think with that many yellow cards being thrown about that kind of changed the tone of the game to a certain extent because United really couldn't press and harry in the way that they had been once the referees started flashing bookings everywhere. But then again, you know, is, is the intricacies in European football in comparison with, you know, the Premier and the Premier League. You know, it was a point where Marco Verratti basically was going back to goal. You know, he had no op- options to pass and Rashford was hounding him. And, you know, looking at that file again, I still don't think Rashford got him. But, you know, in Europe, nine times out of ten, you're going to get that file. Whereas at home in in the Premier League, you're not necessarily going to get that free kick. You know, the onus is going to be on the attacker. And I guess it is a big learning curve and it was a sobering night. I mean, I guess the difference is for me, I didn't necessarily feel hugely gutted. Yeah, very disappointed and I still feel very disappointed. But I think that's that's almost Mm. testament to how far we've come in, in, what, two months you know, when that tie was drawn, it, I, I can remember just chortling to myself in a, in a dark way. You know, that was a tie we had absolutely no chance of even competing in. You know, at the, at the time we were struggling to get past Newcastle and, you know, we, we couldn't see where the next win was coming from, let alone beating, you know, or let alone trying to compete with a team of that quality. You know, in context, we've won 10 games and drawn one prior to that game. But it, the thing I found as we started to be more successful as we started to win more games you've got that big disappointment we're back when we don't win games whereas we'd fallen into a into a trap of you know starting to feel quite apathetic about results and I think it was just I think in our minds we'd, we'd built it up as a game we really could compete in and so it was quite hard ultimately to find that we couldn't and I think mm-hmm. as well that the way that we were beaten reminded us and exposed the you know, the kind of the glaring weaknesses that we know are in the team. I mean, Ashley Young had a horrific game. He had a very funny game as well. Let's not forget well, he that. Made, he, pushed... he should have been off himself, shouldn't he? <laughs> I... Really, I think. Oh, well, I mean, if we're going to be fair, yes. Yeah, he was lucky to stay on the pitch. I mean, don't get me wrong. The comedic element of watching Di Maria go off the side of the pitch and basically hit the concrete at the bottom was excellent. But at the same time, it didn't necessarily help because Di Maria played a really annoyingly good game. But yes, if we're going to be fair... Young was lucky to stay on the pitch in that first half. The other thing that PSG did very well is they they crowded Pogba out of the game, and we I think we're mm. well aware that the Pogba is literally our only creative element in midfield, and he's been absolutely world class in the last two months. But if you've got a couple of players at you all the time, we know we're relatively one dimensional. Most of our attacking either comes down the left hand side or through Pogba in the middle. 
And that's it. We don't have a right-hand side. And so it makes us incredibly one-dimensional. It makes us far easier to negate. It was just a remote, you know, once matter came on, that right-hand side was just a wasteland, wasn't it, of, of creativity and defending. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of people have kind of been saying, well, Solskjaer's been shown up. I think it's a little harsh. I mean, I, might, I, I may have made different changes to the ones that he did, but ultimately he demonstrated that we don't have the depth below the first 11 to remotely play the way that, that Solskjaer wants the first 11 to play. And that's why he didn't think to bring on Fred and play an extra man in the midfield. You know, none of the options he had were round pieces in round holes. And, you know, we, we know this, but I think I think it's just that we've discovered in the last couple of months that the squad is much better than a lot of people were saying. And I truly believe that. I truly believe we've got some really good players, you know, to start with and to, to base a team going forward around. But it was just a reminder that we are quite mortal still i mean i think in particular second half substitutions with uh sanchez and matter coming on as you said there you know had i been Solskjaer, i wouldn't have brought matter onto the pitch i would have brought lukaku on because the one really great match he had was against arsenal away from home where he was playing on the right hand side of attack and actually gave their last side of the fence some real problems you know in particular with matter because the pressure is on us to press so much especially in a game like that you know, the Kaku's not necessarily got a wonderful first touch. And again, you know, we have seen over the last several months, in particular this season as well, he hasn't necessarily been that great at pressing. But that's the change I would have made. Yeah. But regardless, you know, I, I don't think that cost us the game. I think it was partially just occasional defensive lapses. You know, yes, Kim Beppe should, to me, not have been on the pitch. You know, I think he was very, very lucky not to get a second booking, especially for that challenge on Rashford in the second half early on, not before, before he scored. But what have we said about United's greatest weakness is from set pieces. You know, we've conceded plenty of goals from corners this season. And it happened again tonight. You know, Matic didn't have Kimbepe covered. It was a relatively easy finish. And from that point onwards, that was the only time it really reminded me of Sevilla last week in the sense that once we had that first goal in, it felt like a matter of time until the second one went in. And, you know, as annoying as it was to see Di Maria have a really good game, despite, you know, the pelters he was getting from the crowd... He did play very well. Lovely set for Mbappe. And the defence knew that he was there, but just couldn't cope with his pace for that second finish. And after that, you know, it just didn't really feel like we created a clear-cut opportunity to try and get back into the game. Because you're just thinking at that stage, if we can get one goal to go away to Paris with, maybe we've got a bit of a chance at this tie. You know, and to go away to the French capital with needing to win by two clear goals is a big ask, especially without Pogba as well. Even if he had a difficult game last night, that is a big mountain to climb. But I think it's not wrong that Solskjaer got some criticism last night. I think, again, that substitution for bringing Matter on didn't go so well. And again, it's pointed out in particular with Sanchez coming on, who had an absolute stinker, and we'll get on to that in a little while. But I think his reaction to losing was actually quite heartening. It wasn't like he was conceding the tie. He said it was a moment for us to sit back and reflect. But, you know, I don't want any players feeling sorry for themselves. If you're feeling sorry for yourself, you're not going to play against Chelsea. Oh. But, you know, the, I think the term he said was mountains are there to be climbed. So I don't think we go into the second leg bereft of any, you know, sort of hope or any sort of idea of trying to get through the tie I think we've just got to be realistic and look at where we are as a team and a squad and say that ultimately the Champions League was most likely a step too far I, th- I think that red card for Pogba almost does us a favour because we're in a position where we're in three competitions although realistically we're now going to be in two competitions the main target for this season certainly for Solskjaer has to be to get us and to keep us in the top four to the end of the season but we know that 
if Pogba gets injured, if Pogba gets, gets suspended, we're completely screwed because he is the man who, the only player we've got who's capable of transitioning the ball from the midfield to the forwards and actually creating and making things happen in the, in the, in the final third. I've not looked into it, but I bet you could count on one hand the number of teams who've come back from a 2-0 defeat at home in the Champions League and gone through away from home. It's almost a mission impossible, and it's all—it's possibly even the best thing that he just gets a game off, just has a rest, just doesn't have to carry us to a degree for another week. And it leaves, it leaves Solskjaer an interesting... It's going to be interesting to see how he approaches the Chelsea game as well, because... As thin as the squad is, you know, can he afford to to throw his best players that he's got fit at Chelsea in the FA Cup when he knows realistically the more important game for his future and probably for United's medium term future is against Liverpool in a week and a bit's time. I'd almost be tempted just to make 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 some changes for that Chelsea game, just suck it up and regroup in the week before the Liverpool game, and then throw absolutely everything at that. But I know a lot of people wouldn't agree with me. I mean, I won't agree with you for a start. No. And I don't, to be fair, it's very rare for us to disagree. Yeah. But <laughs> as far you know, going away from you know the deficiencies in the squad, and if we're going to move over to that Chelsea game, then I would say that United should perhaps realistically be looking to push everything they've got at that at the minute. The benefit you have of playing Chelsea is that you've got another five days. We're at Wednesday night now before you play, and then you've got six days to prepare for Liverpool after that. Pogba's not going to be playing against PSG, so you can afford to use him a little bit more. You know, you might be missing out on Lingard and Martial, but that's what we have our youth team for. And mm. it's all very well and good talking at players like Greenwood, etc. But this is an opportunity to try and bring them into a squad and to get them integrated. Yeah. They're, especially with the way things are going at Chelsea at the minute, Rich, surely there's an opportunity to beat them. I mean, what a ridiculous couple of weeks they had. Thrashed 4-0 away at Bournemouth, beat Huddersfield 5-0 at home. And last weekend absolutely suicidal defending mm. brazil germany suicidal defending in that game against city 6-0 is a goddamn embarrassment it was amazing to watch and yeah. somewhat scary considering we've got to play Chelsea in a couple of weeks time but still you know with the way things are at chelsea at the minute united surely have to be looking at trying to win that tie especially with the fact that city are the only quote-unquote big side left in the draw after that I, I genuinely think United have got to be going out for the FA Cup as well. It's going to be difficult for this team, especially because we know what this best 11 is. And outside of it, I think we do struggle with a quality drop to compete on all three fronts. So maybe when the Champions League goes out, that makes life a little bit easier because, again, it's going to be so difficult for us to get through that second leg with the options that we have available, especially if we're missing Martial and Lingard. But regardless, especially with the FA Cup now, I would be really surprised if Solskjaer essentially tries and sack it off with Liverpool coming in the week because you, I don't want to say we shouldn't be going all out for Liverpool but we should be treating these games with equal importance mm. because again it's an opportunity for a trophy we have in the last six years or so struggled to take those opportunities and I think this is a really great chance for United to get some silverware with the way that a lot of the big teams have already dropped out of the FA Cup but yeah going back to squad deficiencies you know I think we've yeah, uh, we've all seemingly from the timeline anyway, because I asked the question after the game this morning, talking about how everyone was feeling after the game, and everyone seems to be on a similar page. They were a little bit disappointed that we'd lost, but necessarily didn't think it was completely unexpected, but that we hadn't completely lost the run of our season and that Solskjaer deserved to be put under a lot of pressure. But I think there was an agreement in the sense that the deficiencies in the squad 
have to be looked at going forward if we're going to get any further in the competition and perhaps get on to the next level again. So we're looking at what? Left back, right back, defensive midfielder, and perhaps another winger because those are positions we really struggled last night. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, to me, having better options on the flanks of defence and also having a bit more of an option at central defensive midfield or just a DM in some way is going to be more important than almost a centre-back because... I think we can improve on what we've got to an extent. The worry for me is that, in particular last night, once PSG figured out we were doing the high press after about 10-15 minutes, they just decided, oh, we're just going to play it over the top. And we got rinsed so much in that first half in particular from just long balls over the top. And Matic and Herrera were just played out of the game. It was too easy to bypass us. We need someone who can actually run that team a bit more than they currently are. I don't think Matic is really up to snuff. Matic did all right when he was on the ball. Off it, not so great. But then again, I'm going to make one more point before I pass it back over to you. Alexis Sanchez was the biggest disappointment of the night for me by a long shot. So unpack all that for me. Have fun. Christ. Um, <laughs> Sanchez Sanchez just looks... He's He's gone a bit... Lost. Well, no, it's not It's not lost. He He looks like he's gone Rooney. And and if you if you think about it, I think there was a period where, because they played two or three um, Copper Americas within the space of about five years, and chucking in a, a World Cup and I think Confederations Cup as well, he essentially played through five summers in a row. He looks to me like a like a, a formerly great player who has just played so much football that his body just doesn't work anymore in the way that it used to he's not got the pace or the explosiveness and you know he, he doesn't have the confidence on the ball anymore he's clearly just he's just he's just lost isn't he it's interesting that Solskjaer said after the game that without Martial and and Lingard and if, if we're going to play with Mata and Sanchez or Mata and Lukaku or whoever then we're going to have to find a different way to play and he's absolutely right because he can't they can't play the system that we wanted to play last night in the second half and it's interesting that you you referred to the to the youth players because for, for me in the system that we've been playing Mata and Sanchez on either side are just they're dead weights they offer absolutely nothing in that system you've got guys like Tas Chong is probably the closest I'd say and can play on that right hand side and, and someone, someone like Mason Greenwood and yes they're kids but I defy either of them to be less effective than matter is in in a in a counter attacking high pressing system. So unless Solskjaer can between now and Monday, Solskjaer can think up a completely different tactical approach that that we can use using those using those senior players at, at, at Chelsea. We may as well just take the opportunity to to try out and integrate one or two of the of the of, you know the really talented kids that we know we've got coming through. And ultimately the. the we haven't really got much choice because because the squad is you know a couple of injuries and the squad is in up top is starting to look a little bare. When I think of what what the takeaways from this season could be for Solskjaer, you know if he achieves top four, that's that's a serious achievement. If he which will be remembered even if he didn't get the job. If he wins the FA Cup, that's an achievement that we'll remember even if he doesn't get the job. And if he goes through the process of starting to integrate some of those kids that we know are phenomenally talented then that's something we'll remember him for even if he doesn't get the job you know he's almost at the point where he's he's being forced into into taking on at least one or two of those goals straight away my concern is that once we conceded against PSG there was never any point 
psychologically or tactically where you thought we can get back into this game. And confidence clearly took an absolutely monumental knock. And you could see the players, you know, the players lost their heads a bit, didn't they? You know, Pogba ultimately getting sent off, but they were all, you know, young and <clears throat> lost his head a bit prior to that. And they just all, they just all lost themselves a bit. Mm. It's going to be very hard for them to mentally pick themselves up to play Chelsea and then to play Liverpool. And I almost feel like these next two games could almost shape what happens for the rest of the season because, you know, either we pick ourselves up and get one or two good results in these next two games and, and we've got something to carry forward. We lose both games and the narrative from that point afterwards will be, well, Solskjaer isn't up to it at the top level. You know, this squad can't compete against the very best and etc. And it's because the papers and the, the media are looking for a narrative around this all the time. It's it's easy to see how one or other narrative could almost become self sustaining depending on what happens in the next in the next week or so. But it's just gonna be it's gonna be really interesting mm. to see how Solskjaer tr- approaches those those two games. Yeah, I mean that's the thing for me though. If I think back to the last three managers, they were all characterised by their lack of willingness or lack of ability to come up with a alternative tactical plan when things went wrong, whether that was during the game or after a poor run of results you know typically sometimes it was by pure luck or you know you think back to Van Hal's second season what was really the catalyst to getting us towards the FA Cup final it was Rooney and Martial getting injured and then suddenly Marcus Rashford is playing that's where it came from so I think with Solskjaer I'm not sure how much of this is just built upon blind faith but to me out of all the managers we've had since Ferguson Solskjaer is the one at this point that I would say is going to be able or has the most likely chance of being able to come up with an alternative tactical plan that takes into account the players that he has available. And I'm not necessarily sure if I'm basing that on just the desire to to hope that's what Solskjaer is going to be able to provide us with. Because ultimately we've just had several managers who are so married to their concepts or lack thereof that we're just being used to seeing the same mistakes and same results repeated over and over again. And I think you're right in the sense that the next week with that Chelsea game, with that Liverpool game, is going to be huge to determine where we actually end up in the rest of the season. Because if we go out against Chelsea, you know, it's going to be a monumental task to try and get past PSG in the last 16 second leg tie. And if we lose against Liverpool, then you know, other than the personal shock of essentially helping the Scousers get one step closer to the Premier League trophy that we're all desperately hoping they don't win, that puts us right back into the mix. Well, as we're already in the mix, but it obviously puts a bit more pressure on us when it comes to getting top four, which is, again, one of our goals for the rest of this season. But a part of me feels like I can almost trust this team to respond to this setback. Now, again... I'm hoping that they're going to prove me right on Monday night when it comes to playing Chelsea. Yes, we've got a terrible, terrible record at Stamford Bridge in, in all competitions, you know, apart from the Champions League, essentially, in terms of coming away with a good result there. And, you know, maybe even a replay, considering our poor record, wouldn't necessarily be the bad result. But I, at this point, am willing to back Solskjaer to get the right response from the team. All throughout his, these two months, he's been saying the right things, whether it's in public and seamlessly behind and seemingly behind closed doors as well and I would look at the way that things are getting set up for that game on Monday and I would hope that the approach is I want to see a good response if you're not going to respond in the right way you're not going to play next week and I would say that considering that we do have that six day gap to play with after the PSG game that's enough time for this team to pick themselves up 
deal with the shell shock of that bad result against PSG and turn it around because ultimately that's what you want to see from United isn't it what has this team been built on responding to setbacks that's etched into the fabric of our club this is all we're about and I think this is an opportunity for the players available even though we know that front to back this squad isn't necessarily good enough to challenge for the top honours they can still do something this season it starts on Monday and I'm hoping and I do think there's a good chance of us doing something good at Stamford Bridge on Monday yeah and I think we have to we have to remember that, that Solskjaer's now managed 12 games and he's lost one of them which when when he took over that that didn't really seem it was incomprehensible to us wasn't it you know the idea that we that we could win 10 of our next 11 games and then perhaps lose to the the best team we've played but there was uh, there was um I forget which which journalist it was, but he was kind of belittling the wins that Solskjaer had had and said that it played a load of rubbish, essentially. He he has had a soft run of games, but there's no other team that's been thrashing those teams or beating those teams as consistently as we have since Solskjaer took over. And he's also won at Arsenal and Spurs, which, which is, is quite an achievement as well. So at the moment, we're just looking at, we're looking at one game where we've faced a really, really good side and those key moments have gone against us. We've lost two really important players, you know, right before half time in a game that was absolutely on a knife edge. And we've seen a guy who should have been sent off, not sent off, and then come and score the opening goal. So fine margins in that game, as as, as impressive as PSG were after after half time. I don't think all of the, the soul searching about Solskjaer and all, all, what does this tell us about him and should he get the job going forward and and whatnot, it's, 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 it's just really premature and it, it just seems like it's there to fill pages. At the moment, we've just lost a game of football and every team loses a game of football. City lost to Newcastle mm-hmm. and Crystal Palace, I don't know, three or four, four or five weeks ago. We've lost desk games. As you say, Chelsea got gubbed by City. They got gubbed by Bournemouth. They're not having a good time themselves. So I think I think we just have to take some context and think, you know what, this squad is, this squad is flawed. There are obvious problems with it. There are obvious weaknesses. We those weaknesses were cruelly exposed the other night, but but Christ, we've been doing a better job than pretty much any other team in the Premier League since Solskjaer took over. Yeah, bang on, mate. And I think the big thing with that was the talk about Solskjaer, and I think we're both in agreement on this in terms of him becoming permanent manager. Yes, I understand why he's put himself in the frame for it, where they might not necessarily have been thinking too realistically about giving him the job come May after the end of the season, and I think. If they weren't willing to give him the job full-time when he took it back in December, then 10 or 11 games, regardless of how well they've gone, shouldn't necessarily have swayed that. It's great to hear that the mood around the club, you know, Aaron Carrington has changed. We know that the fan reaction has been excellent. We know that as fans, we enjoy watching these games again. And again, what a wonderful feeling to look forward to last night's game with such excitement. And again, you know, we'll get on to Saturday's game against Fulham as well. I couldn't wait to watch that. And we played some excellent football and scored some beautiful goals. We did. But I think, you know, the talk about Solskjaer getting the job full-time was premature. And I think, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, talk about Solskjaer fighting for his job, depending on how the next couple of weeks go, to a certain extent, might be premature. Yeah, it is. I think I always sort of looked at it when the fixture list came up of saying, let's get through this section with the PSG tie up to that game against City and see where things are after that, which is essentially mid-March. By that point, we'll know what this United side can achieve under Solskjaer going forward. 
Whether or not that is getting to the latter stage of the FA Cup, pushing for the top four, I don't know. But that, to me, was going to be the barometer of how far Solskjaer could take us this season, for sure. I guess, as you said there, it was essentially a case of trying to fill those column inches. But again, I think any talk of Solskjaer getting the job on a permanent basis at this stage was premature. And again, you keep it in context. We got beaten by one of the best teams in Europe last night. Yes, they were missing Cavani. Yes, they were missing Neymar. But they had better players than we did to cope with those injuries. They had a game plan. They stuck to it. And they ripped us apart. And it was in key positions as well. You know, they they had a, a player of the quality of Di Maria essentially playing a gap against United's biggest weakness. And and once they'd stifled Pogba, they then had a player in Verratti who essentially was able to run the game because of his quality. And the reality is that when PSG lose players, unlike United, they've got players of a similar style who are able to play in a similar way who can come in and take over, whereas whereas United quite clearly don't. If we lose any of the key components of that first eleven, then the player who comes in, there's either a significant quality drop or that's a player of a completely different style who isn't capable of playing the same role. You know, that's part of the, been part of the wider problem at United in terms of their recruitment and choice of managers and, and whatever else. You know, so ultimately we face the side who already have really, really high-class footballers in in key positions but also have a squad which is able to deal with the loss of Neymar and Cavani by bringing in players or moving players from different positions that who can play almost as effectively as the guys they've replaced. And United just don't have that. And Solskjaer has almost been a victim of his own success in that he, he's done so well to this point that people are turning around and thinking, well, should he be beating PSG? Yeah, you're right. We could have beaten PSG. You know, the game was the game was really, really tight, really up to half time. But if you look at the quality of those two sides and the the options available to the two managers, you would have to say Solskjaer does not have anything like the resources that PSG have. So he's starting with a handicap in that race. Well, I don't necessarily think it's about the resources available. I think it was mostly just that we have a very expensively assembled squad that is the breadth of four managers and yeah. there is a clear lack of vision and planning in the way that that squad is spread out you've got such a mishmash of players that it doesn't necessarily fit into the whole plan whereas mm. PSG have that despite the fact that they've gone through managers much quicker than we have to well maybe not much quicker but they've gone through managers at a similar rate to ourselves but that blueprint has remained the same mm. our blueprint has been you know, ripped up every couple of years and we've tried to change the side around and that's why we've got players like Mata and Sanchez who are, you know, late 20s or early 30s now who look like they're somewhat spent and can't necessarily fit in with what we're doing now. But, you know, a couple of years ago could really have benefited from a system. You know, it's it's a complete mishmash of ideas and the result of four different philosophies combining to make whatever the hell we've got now. I think well, I think one of the positives of, of, of Solskjaer, if we did appoint him, is that I think he knows very well what he wants in players. And he would. we know who he'd retain. We know who can't play in his system and who ultimately he won't be able to do anything with. And we know, we've learned very quickly that he, he knows what he wants. And, and in terms of his recruitment, he would be looking to buy players with, the, with similar qualities to some of the guys he's, you know, to, that will be able to play in the system that he's been using primarily in the last two months. Mm. 
So, I mean, one of the things I've been impressed with about Solskjaer is is, is his single-mindedness, he, the, the speed with which he worked out what his best eleven is and what, what his preferred system would be and actually sticking with it. And we, we spent two and a half years watching Mourinho not really knowing what the system was, what we were trying to achieve. And, and Solskjaer, you know, he... He's been far more single-minded and decisive than I imagined he would have been before he came in. Yeah. And so my feeling was, you know, even if he were to get the job, whether we think that's right or wrong, I think he will have very strong ideas about who he wants to recruit, who he wants to get rid of. And we've already seen Fellaini out the door. I think we'll probably see Valencia just leaving at the end of his contract and, and a couple of others. Don't think he'll suffer players who aren't any use to him. And it's in, it's interesting. I I, I, I don't have to quote at hand. He said about Sanchez last night. You know, I can't help him. You know, I can't, I can't help him. He needs to essentially needs to find himself. He needs to find himself and 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 find find a way of performing to the level he used to to play to. And if you know, somebody said that you know, if Mourinho had said that, then everyone. <laughs> I was thinking the exact same thing. But there's two points. The point was Mourinho was saying about everybody, and also he was saying about players who are. 20, 21, 22, not, you know, not experienced 30-year-old internationals who've played for some of the biggest clubs in the world and at World Cups. You know, ultimately, he he can't teach an old dog new tricks. He can't teach Sanchez to be a completely different player than he's been for his entire career. He just needs Sanchez to find himself and find his form again. But he can shape Rashford and he can shape Martial and, and Dallow and Shaw and, you know, all of these players who, who aren't the finished article yet and so the different the difference is that constructive criticism is or or decisive criticism is fine if it's not just used at everybody and it's not used at players to whom it's not reasonable to to use it in public so i guess just before we get onto twitter questions tonight and maybe look at any sort of contract extensions as there have been several in the last couple of weeks uh, a bit of positivity and i guess a reminder of where we actually were in the league at the minute you know thanks to Chelsea getting absolutely tonked we've now gone over them on goal difference and we're above them in the table and Arsenal after that uh, 3-0 win at Fulham at the weekend you know it was a tricky start really wasn't it I don't think United really got going and ironically enough until Pogba actually fired us ahead but after that point it was pretty much one-way traffic wasn't it I thought Pogba's goal was excellent just in the sense that he surprised the keeper with that first time shot it was quite a tight angle but it was a wonderful finish but all the plaudits in the world to that Martial goal. You know, people talking about it, comparing it to Van Nistelrooy's goal at home to Fulham at Old Trafford all those years ago. And then Ronaldo in 2007 when he waltzed in through the Fulham ranks and scored at the same end at Craven Cottage. Martial, at that point, I was just willing him on, just saying, keep going, keep going, keep going. And a wonderful finish. You know, he rode two challenges. The touch and control was absolutely superb. And it's, again, a wonderful example of... When you give him the ball, when he has space, how deadly he can be. And it was great to watch. I guess the only annoyance of that game was that we didn't score more. You know, I don't think I've ever watched a game of United the last four years and saw, why didn't we get four? I guess Sanchez really should have made it four with that last chance in the last sort of 10 minutes. But I guess that's indicative of where he's at. But yeah, excellent game from Pogba and Martial. And I guess because they were of such high quality, it made the likes of Sanchez struggling matter, not really having a massive effect on the game. And a couple of other players who really didn't necessarily have that great an effect, like Ukaku, for instance, it made that quite redundant. The system succeeded and the performance succeeded in spite of those parts not necessarily coming together. Yeah, it was a calculated risk, wasn't it, to make those changes before the PSG game. And, and you could see with the start that the number of changes we've made 
the team wasn't quite sure exactly about how it was going to function together and, and, and Fulham could have scored early. But as you say, once Pogba got that goal, then we we really sort of kept going at them. And as you say, Lukaku didn't have a particularly good game. He continued to struggle. But I think the problem, the thing with with Fulham is that whatever happens, and I think it's their greatest flaw, is they just keep playing in the same almost kamikaze attacking way. And United are perfectly built at the moment to do that. We've been far better away from home than we have at home because we've been very effective counter-attackers and, and Fulham just gave us an incredible amount of space. And the, I think the real difference we've seen since Solskjaer came in is that when we've got a goal, when we've got a goal ahead, we don't ease back, we we just keep going. And as you say, we're actually thinking, well, we're hoping we'd score more goals rather than being pleased that we'd, that we'd won a, a game 3-0 comfortably. And, it, you know, all of these games are potential slip-ups. You know, Huddersfield are, are a pretty poor team and Fulham, Fulham aren't great, but there aren't any games that you could just expect to win, I think, for us at the moment. I mean, even City. City lost to two of the bottom half teams in, in the space of a couple of weeks. And Chelsea have walloped by Bournemouth. And so, so I don't think we can take all these relatively comfortable performances and wins for granted in, in these games against teams we should be beating, but by law of averages, you don't always beat. No, exactly. I mean, look at United's form over the last several years. We don't typically win these fixtures. Not all the time, anyway. I'm not saying that we're always terrible against bottom half opposition, but typically our problem has been a lack of ability to beat the teams that we quote-unquote should be beating. So yeah, of course it's great. I mean, like 10 wins and 11 prior to the PSG game. People can talk all they like about the fact this was an easy run. Those games still need to be won. And United have done a very good job of grinding their way out of several of those results. And in several of the games, like last Saturday, did a great job of essentially overwhelming them. You know, Fulham could easily have lost, easily have lost that game 5 or 6 nil, had we been a little bit sharper and pushed the, you know, forced the issue a little bit more. So yeah, I'm not going to take these victories for granted and I'm not going to go into Chelsea's game on Monday thinking that just because they're in a bit of a rough moment that we're going to waltz through that. And when we get to Crystal Palace and Southampton after we play the Scousers, I'm not going to just assume that because we played quite well against that style of team in that half of the table that we're going to waltz through them. But I expect a decent level of performance from the team regardless. You know, I expect us to go on the front foot. I expect us to create chances and I expect us to score at least one goal. And that is the big difference in in these situations in these last couple of months as comparable with the last four years. Well, four or five years, God knows how. Maybe six, put it that long. Anyway, tonight's questions. Matt Peck has got an interesting one. Does Ole's style of football fit what the club has become in the last five years other than the strongest first 11? Is he, is he kind of asking whether the squad fits the style that he's trying to play? I mean, I think the, well, the point is there. I mean, that's a thinker. I think Matt's perhaps trying to say, is the squad, is the style of play almost against what this squad is actually built for to a certain extent? Well, no, because the squad isn't, the squad doesn't suit any style because it's been put together by four managers. Well, three, you know, three managers and well, four managers. Yeah, if you, if you include Fergie, so you should you put well, off the players. Absolutely. I mean, but he's very quickly found a first eleven, which, which generally speaking, bar perhaps two or three, are quite well suited to playing the style he wants to play in the majority of Premier League games. So I can't think of another system that we could play where we could integrate as many players as that into a functioning unit. And and the reality is as well that he's trying to play a system which we want to see. He's play, he wants us to play in a way that we know we want to see. It's the way we used to play, you know, in our in our heyday, our modern heyday. Mm-hmm. Why not aim for that? That's that's what we wanted. And we do have the players who in the majority of Premier League games can play that way and play it very effectively. And after the 
miserable grind that we've seen for five and a half years. Like I can't even m- comprehend of criticising Solskjaer for for trying to put a team out to play the way that he has. No, I mean I think you look at Van Hal and Mourinho; they almost unwittingly and completely accidentally laid the foundations for what we're seeing now. You know, Van Hal brought in Martial, he bought through Rashford, Mourinho bought through Pogba and, you know, made Lingard into a better player. Whether that, you know, how much credit you should put at his door for that, I'm not sure. But still, Lingard certainly improved since Mourinho came on. And that's kind of where we're at now. It's something of a happy accident that we've got at times over the last few months, such such a functional attacking side, because that's not necessarily what it was built to be, not by anyone. Ian MUFC asks, are we reacting to the PSG game all wrong? Surely it shows how well Oli has done in the Premier League. PSG has shown the deficiencies in the squad, which Oli has been able to mask up to now. What do we think? Well, I think partially because maybe we're just for the right people. I didn't see too many people overreacting, and I'm... I'm, I have no energy to overreact to this in the sense that, you know, we spent so much of this season already in the doldrums, down and gloomy about where United were and how we were playing. It was great to go into last night's game with some expectation and some hope and some desire again, because I would not have had that had we still been under Mourinho. So I don't think you necessarily need to overreact to last night. Yes, it was disappointing. Yes, it's been a long time since we've had a game of that stature at Old Trafford. And it's always disappointing when those don't go to plan. But in the context of what Solskjaer has achieved so far and what United can realistically achieve for the rest of this season, it shouldn't be a cause for overreaction or necessarily even anger. Disappointment and frustration that we didn't do better, but there's no cause for overreaction. Not for me. People are going to do it anyway because that's Twitter. But Yeah, still. they are. They are. I mean, I was having, having a conversation with somebody about this last night and he was perhaps overreacting a tad. And I was thinking back to all the, the Champions League games that, that Fergie lost in his time. We lost to Copenhagen. We lost to Kluge at home. We lost to Besiktas at home. Fenerbahce at home. Gosh, I mean, the, the Basel. We lost in Basel, didn't we? And, and, and only just drew three all at home to Basel and you know I mean particularly in the latter years we lost at Lille and in the in the points when he didn't have his strongest teams he lost games in the Champions League that were poorer and more disappointing and damning to lose than we did losing to one of the best teams in Europe last night and I think that yeah. has to be put in a little bit a little bit of context because we lost some god-awful games under Fergie particularly in the last you know the, the kind of last four years aside from the one year we went to the went to to the final ultimately we lost we lost one of the best teams in Europe largely because we haven't got the squad to to do it which we knew already so I mean how much yeah. can you blame Solskjaer for that no exactly Peanut's got an interesting one just on that line I know we all want to bin off half the squad but realistically which other players we should be actually letting go at the end of this season and what other players we should be bringing in to replace them all right, Rich. So give me three, four names of players that were in that starting lineup, or at least in the squad last night, that you would let go of. Now, I wouldn't be looking to sell or to get to, to, to let go anybody who start who played last night, started last night. I think the point is that some of those guys need to be squad options as opposed to starters. I would be hoping with every fibre that Shanghai Shanhua might come along, tries to buy Alexis Sanchez for three hundred million pounds. Even even zero. In fact, even if we just paid him to go away, <laughs> he, he's, yeah, he, he he would. I mean, I think we're at the point where it's clear that he's not fit for purpose. And given the size of his wages, and given the minimal contribution he's making, he'd be the one that I'd boot out the door fastest. I gotta be honest. I probably 
we will, but I probably wouldn't give a new contract to Wanmata because I don't see where he fits in. I don't see how he fits into Wally's system. No, it pains me, but I think you're right there. Yeah, I mean, it just he just he just doesn't fit into where we need to go to. He's always been a bit of a, a misfit in that we've never really found a position where he can contribute to the level that he perhaps he perhaps hoped he would. Mm. I'm trying to remember who was. I'm trying to remember who else was on the bench. I mean, fifty-two million pound Fred. Well, yeah, I was going to say it seems it seems that Solskjaer really, really, really doesn't rate Fred Mourinho. Clearly, he really, really, really didn't rate Fred either so maybe it's just an acclimatisation thing or maybe he's just not very good and we really screwed that one up if it's the latter then I don't see any point in keeping him for no reason you know if he's not good enough if he's not fit for purpose then what's the point in having him around yeah I think one of the things that United have typically found over the last decade is that we've held on to players a little bit too long in the hope that they would come good Mm. and often the aim has been as we've seen with a couple other players has been giving them long-term contracts you know, I think realistically, if I was going to be brutal about it, if it had been up to me, would I give him Phil Jones a new contract? Maybe not. I would have rather have brought in someone from the youth team if we're going to look for squad options. Yeah. Jones is fine as a squad option, but he's not realistically going to be a starter. And then you know, Ashley Young, I can kind of get that to an extent. You know, he has been a leading presence and he has been de facto a captain, considering that Valencia has either been not selected or injured for large parts of this season. So there is some sense in the way that we've handled some of these players, but realistically the big thing that United have got to improve this season is the median level of quality of the squad isn't it because you know we looked at the level that PSG were at in the sense that they could bring Draxler and Di Maria and play Danny Alves a little bit higher at the pitch than they would normally when they lost Neymar and Cavani and yes it is a silly charmed life if you think about it because several years ago if you said we've got Lukaku and Mata and Sanchez as our replacements if our front three don't thrive you're thinking well we're doing all right for ourselves but because they're all at various different stages of uh, what's the nicest way of describing this Um, difficulty well (laughs) Well, decline or deficiency all right well that'll do deficiency or decline yeah Yeah. well one of the two it, it just doesn't work and I think United have got to improve the level of quality in the squad if we're really going to get anywhere going forward um, but yeah in terms of who we bring in that's a question for another time uh, that James Boy asks do we give three to four youth players a Champions League debut in Paris well to be fair if Martial and Lingard are unfit then we're going to have to it's, it's a difficult one because it, on the one hand it's an experience and I can remember, I know we were through already, it was in the groups, we, we, we played Deportivo one year and we were already through it after the fifth game and, and Fergie essentially took took the reserves out to Deportivo and, and, and played a completely scratched team. Quite a risk at the time, you know, Deportivo were a decent team and I think we lost 2-0 from memory but it wasn't, you know, a complete embarrassment and the danger is that you make a few changes and bring a few kids in and we end up getting beaten 4, 5, 6, nil, and, I, and I'm not sure it's, it's no good for anyone I'm not sure that's good for anybody either the the, the guys who played or, or the, the squad or the team going forward it's so difficult because the chance of us coming back in that game is virtually zero and he's got to approach that game from the perspective of giving the appearance of trying to win it and thinking he can win it and take us through but also with the knowledge that we almost certainly can't win it and we've got a lot of really other important games around it so it's going to be quite interesting i'd like to see maybe perhaps if he perhaps if he gave one of them a, a game and had one or two on the bench without really just completely ripping up a, a solid core of the rest of the team man you're going to look so stupid when we win like 3-1 and go through in the away goals we're on the couple Do of you reckon weeks I, 
I've got to say that there are many circumstances in which I might look stupid in life and have looked stupid in life, but I think if we pulled that off, I I I wouldn't be too de- devastated by my appearance of stupidity. I would hope not. No, <laughs> put it that way. Mm. Rich, what an absolute pleasure to talk, and I guess we'll reconvene after Chelsea. Give me a quick score prediction. One all replay. Are we allowed replays anymore? We are. Yeah, I mean, I think it's only the semi-finals where you don't get replays. Right. Okay. Yep. One all replay. Tidy. Right, I'll go with that. I'm going to go for a 2-1 win because I'm still feeling a little bit of that residue of positivity before uh, 8 o'clock last night started. Anyway, Rich, (laughs) thanks for your company tonight. Always a pleasure. No worries, mate. Cheers, mate. And guys, thank you very much for listening. Well, I hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget, if you're looking for new places to get hold of the podcast, good news. We're on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud. You can get us on the iTunes app. You can get us on the Apple Podcast app. You can get us on pretty much every Android podcast app you could want. And if there's one that you'd like to see us on, let us know. I'm sure I can sort that out. And Stitcher as well. And don't forget, if you want to talk to us directly, you can get us on Twitter. You can get Rich at at Rich Red Voices, me at at Ewan Lennox, and our fair pod at at Red Voices MUFC, and the blog at redvoices.net. Have yourselves a superb week. We'll be back after Chelsea next week. Take care.